They're really good. Oh, hi. Yay. Hi. Sorry, we were talking about how much we love our new intro and the pictures in them um, that we took. They're really good. We're like, oh, I love these. They're so great. Um, welcome to History of a Haunting. We are back uh, and nothing has changed. I'm Carrie Hopper. <laughs> Laura Ackerman. Hello. Uh, it's been a minute, Laura. Yes, it has. Yes, it has been a minute. Um our Halloween episode was late. We put that out November 4th. It's This episode comes out... No, November December. 6th. It's December 4th. Yeah, lot, 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 lot's gone on. A lot of stuff has gone on. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Really mellow. Really yeah. just chill. Really, Thanksgiving for me is just like... How long do I have to wait to like go full-blown Christmas? That's all... Just counting Me down this too. time until like it stops being quite as obnoxious. And usually by Thanksgiving, most of the stuff has kind of weaseled its way out. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I have. I mean, you know, I love seeing my family and and all of that. Back when we were going places for Thanksgiving, but mm-hmm. pretty much for me, Thanksgiving has always just been the holiday you've got to get through to get to Christmas. And I'm not sorry about it. Um. Yeah, I'm just not sorry about it. I'm just like, meh, whatever. Um, there's three of us, just me, my mom, and Koi, and three dogs. For whatever reason, I thought it was appropriate to um, spend the last month that we got food stamps uh, on a 17-pound turkey. And <laughs> Oh, my God. We still have turkey. So much you, turkey. Did you freeze it or something? Can you do anything like that? Um, well, like we've been giving the dogs, like we've been like, you know, mm-hmm. giving the dogs some turkey instead of like chopping up chicken and stuff. So we- so we're poisoning them. Awesome. Cool. No, no, no. They can have the white meat. They just can't have the skin or the gravy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, give them, give the dogs turkey and, you know, turkey sandwiches and, you know, whatever. So, uh, yeah, we, I made- a really big turkey this year and I'm like um maybe next year I won't be so overzealous about it we're doing ham for Christmas this year though I was gonna say you having another one for Christmas Mm-mm. nope nope we're going ham which by the way my mom then bought like a fucking huge ass ham and I'm like mom what what we're not a fam we're a family of six but not really because Koi doesn't Koi eats french bread pizza on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Right? He doesn't, like he doesn't like it. So, and the dogs can't have ham. I'm like, well, okay. A lot of ham sandwiches, maybe a ham salad. I'm not really sure. Well, maybe we'll send some to you. Oh, great. Hmm. So anyway, yes, we have Thanksgiving. Um, so we are back and we are finally, finally, finally bringing you our revisit of the Driscoll Hotel this week, guys. Um, We do have a couple of EVPs, our endless vocal prattling, where we tell you all of our updates and our announcements. Um, I have three. I checked with Laura before we started recording, and she has none. Um, Although, Laura, I think you should tout your Monday morning story. It was a lot of fun. If you guys have not watched it, listened to it yet, please, please do. Laura, tell the folks uh, what what, what you discussed this morning. In your short story. So, 
So we did uh, like 45 facts about Christmas. So just kind of fun stuff. And I was, uh, Carrie says that she knows a lot of the facts about Christmas. So mm-hmm. we did a tally of what she knew and what she didn't. And I'm not going to tell you one. But no, we won't say who won. It was good times. It was. It was good times. But just um, some fun stuff. It, it was is. just a lot of fun. I, we're both big fans of the holiday season. So yeah, it's just a... Yeah. Uh, entertaining it is it's super entertaining it's a lot of fun um so definitely uh go and check that out so i wanted to laura i wanted you to to you know tout it because yeah again once again this bitch is raising the bar and so next week is my turn and i'm like crap what am i gonna do to top this (laughs) nothing i'll come i'll just come limping in with my lame ass story um so that was uh one of our evps uh it's gonna be a tiny bit of a long evp segment this week because we haven't been back in a month so we got some stuff to tell you um one of the things i did want to say is we did make the announcement um a few weeks ago that we were going on a hiatus and we weren't going to be back until today december 4th because i had had um a family uh thing happened and um that family thing is we had a death in my family um so all of you know jennifer uh she's my best friend she has been on the show she was in episode five of haunted objects and then she was in episode uh blurgen blurgen um when we covered hillview manor in pittsburgh uh she was also in our episode with waverly hills and you guys know jennifer she um she has been my friend since uh we were eight years old we met in 1985 and um she uh her mother died um after a uh four-year battle almost four-year battle with breast cancer and uh janice um she passed away the day before thanksgiving and we knew that it was coming um so my mind and my heart, my my everything um, was with them, and it and you know it the podcast we just decided to to take a break. Um, so uh, this was you know Jennifer and I have been friends, best friends for thirty eight years, and um, when Coy was diagnosed with autism, Janice was his um, speech therapist for a great number of years because that's what she did. She was a behavior and speech um, therapist in Pittsburgh. And so she um, worked with him on his speech therapy back when speech therapy for autism wasn't covered by insurance. Um, We were told that that wasn't something, uh, a developmental disorder was not covered by insurance speech therapy. It had to be something done to him, like a stroke or something like that. So Janice was like, I'll do it. And she did it for free. And um, because of that, you know, my son speaks very eloquently. He still works on his R sounds because that's that's always a been a rough one for him. But it was very difficult um, for me and my family because Janice has always been my second mother. So we knew that this was coming. Um, Laura knew that this was coming. It was something that I had actually um, gone to her about because I, I, it, I didn't know... I needed to learn how to be there for Jennifer. You know, Jennifer and I, I think every child, eventually, we expect to lose our parents one day. But not at the age of 46. You know, Janice was only 63. Um, So it just seemed too soon. It just seemed too soon. And so, you know, I I turned to Laura and I I leaned on Laura and I'm like, I don't know how to help her. 
um, through this. I don't know what this is like. I don't know, you know, so everybody needs a sounding board and Laura is, is mine. Um, because obviously I couldn't be like, Jen, I have a problem and I don't know how to handle it. Um, Jennifer was obviously busy with stuff like that, with other stuff. So, um, is your pony galloping to get out the door, Laura? <laughs> I literally think he's okay. Can you hear him? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It literally sounded like a horse. It's fine. Um, right. so Laura has been there for me and for Jennifer because she and Jennifer are good friends too, um, this entire time. So when I texted Laura and I was like, I can't do the podcast. We're not doing it for two weeks. She was like, Hey, totally get it. Um, so um, I do want to dedicate this episode to Janice, um, for a number of reasons, um, because she, you know, my second mother for 38 years and all of our hearts are very broken and we're trying to navigate this new, um, life without her. And, uh, it's been very difficult for Jennifer. And so it's been very difficult for me to see Jennifer go through all of this heartbreak and, and planning you know her her viewing and her celebration of life and and things like that it's it's been very very difficult um but i want to dedicate this episode to janice because janice has supported us laura since day one when we did our merch push last year janice ordered a black zip up hoodie she was clearly team laura (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the, with the colors um so she had a she ordered a black zip up hoodie and she actually um maybe i don't know whenever we got back from mansfield back in may maybe june july um she ordered two wine glasses from us um our little wine glasses here she ordered two of these but she asked me to not mail them she wanted me to bring them up the next time i came up Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get up there. And so I missed it. Um, So I have this box of wine glasses here, of History of a Haunting wine glasses that Janice ordered. And um, she didn't, I told her, I was like, I'll totally give it to you on a discount. And she was like, no, 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 no. And um, Jennifer was like, don't, she doesn't want to give it, she, she doesn't want a discount. She wants to she wants to pay full price because she wants to support your podcast in every way that she possibly can and and it was very touching. Um it was very touching. So I think what I'll do is I'm going to take them up um her celebration of life is next month and my mom and I will be going up for that. So I'll be taking the two history of a haunting wine glasses up um to Jennifer's and I'm just going to tell Jennifer let's keep them here and every time I come up and visit we'll just drink out of these and it'll be like your mom is there with us. So, um, yeah, so that is what is going on. Um, and so I know that a lot of you have, um, been wondering, um, a lot of you, especially that are, um, my friends and my family that follow me on Facebook, you know, um, but for the listeners, that is, that is the reason for the hiatus. Um, Janice's, um, this one, this one, this one was this one was was rough, and um, I've never been so closely, so close to what cancer can do to a person. Um, and it was it was this was this was a tough one. Um, 
So our episode tonight today is dedicated to Janice Eileen Bullman, who is one of the most amazing women in the world. And um, we promise to live our lives every day in ways that honor you and make you proud of us. So we love you, Janice. Um, so that's, I'm going to stop because I'm going to start crying. Um, the next thing, we're on to happier stuff, guys. The next thing I want to uh, say is today we are recording on December 3rd. This episode actually comes out tomorrow, December 4th. But one thing that probably Laura doesn't remember about today. Yeah, today is Laura's three-year anniversary with the podcast. Uh, is she it jo- really? It is, yes. Um she joined us as our resident skeptic when Archie and I were hosting the show and she made her debut on the podcast uh, in the, um, God, I don't, what episode was it? Was it, I think it was, shit, I had it written down. I've I don't cleaned my office. <laughs> I've cleaned my office. It was, oh, um, Fairmont Banff Springs Hotel. That's, yep. That's All what right. it was. That was, that right, was what job. it was. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yes. Three fucking years, Carrie. That's Three years. Yeah. It is a long time. Um, and I actually have, um, known, I looked it up months ago. So I have been working. Um, obviously there was a bit of a hiccup with, um, Janice getting sicker and, and, and that, but, um, I have a little surprise for you, Laura. Unfortunately, because of the hiccups, it's not ready yet, but I am going to um, roll it out next week for you and for all of our listeners. I have been diligently going back through the archives and I'm putting together a quick little, I don't know, I would say maybe it's going to be about five to seven minutes, uh, the best of Laura and yeah so that's why oh no (laughs) oh yes oh yes like i have been finding clips and i've been like texting them to my listen to this mom oh my god jennifer oh my god listen to this uh aaron listen oh my yeah i'm you girl you have said some stuff so much shit oh no so much it is the fucking best and i really really wanted to have it ready to play tonight um for this episode but uh you know things happened and i didn't get it done but i will have it completed by next week's episode so we can all sit back and listen to the best of laura show oh that's hilarious but also Mm. i'm i'm scared i'm really scared I swear to God, I have had like, so much fun. So much fun. stuff could be taken out of context. I'm like, wait, there could be context that makes whatever I say not that bad, for one. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm uh-huh. interested to see. Because as soon as you said that, the Rolodex of shit that has come out of my mouth that <laughs> I can remember, and there's so much more that I don't, like, started flipping through my head, and I was like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It'd be really bad. Because I I mean right. we kind of threw is- you yeah. We kinda threw you to the wolves. Like everybody was introduced to Laura when we did our Phelps uh Phelps Dodge live episode because she was in the audience, but it was she was an audience member. Like she was one of the folks that had come to just like watch the show and to do the investigation and whatever, and then we were like, Hey, you wanna be on it? And she was like, Yeah, and so then 
I think I was like, it's real easy, you know, we're not, we weren't on YouTube yet. Like it was just recorded and, you know, nobody, you know, it was more uh, an easier way to start. But I was listening to the episode and I was like, and so Laura, tell us about yourself and why you want to, why, why are you a skeptic? And Archie and I just went like, zipped our lips and sat back and we were like, take it away. And I'm like, that was such a dick move. We literally just like shoved her on stage and was like, say stuff about yourself. The two things Laura fucking hates to do. Oh, yeah. 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 And we were like, go. Tell the, <laughs> tell the crowd what you, you know, don't want anyone to know ever. Um, so, yeah. It's your three-year anniversary. So, happy anniversary. Um, I... Um, I um, know. I know. I knew you didn't. You were like, "What?" You. I could see your like eyes are like. I was I like, have "What's happening?" No Uh-oh. recognition. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So t- t- this is uh, Laura's fear anniversary, and I will have that um, the best of Laura ready for next <laughs> week's show. Um, and then finally, the last EVP that I have is we have been talking about it for a long time, guys. We've been trying to coordinate schedules with them, and we finally have got it nailed down. Ish. Uh, we are going to be doing a really cool live event, live history of a haunting event on Facebook and on YouTube. Um, in the coming weeks, we are bringing you Staticom live. And we've talked about Staticom, Tony and Sheree Rathman, Ron Yacovetti, Lourdes Gonzalez, their new methodology. Um, we... What was the name of the, uh, Knowingly Talking to the Unknown? They did a, a documentary series on Paraflix. We promoted that. This time, we are going to have Staticom. We're going to have Tony on running Staticom live on the show on Facebook and on YouTube. We want it to be a live audience interactive show. So Tony is going to teach us all of the ins and outs and how this works. And then we want you to join us in doing an actual investigation with Staticom. So we're going to nail down that date and then we're going to post it on um, Facebook. We're going to be promoting it every single week until the lead up of the live event. It is going to be a free event, um, but we do. We hope that you join us. We hope that um, we have a really good turnout. And um, Laura and I, you guys know, Laura and I, we've seen this in action and we think it's pretty remarkable. So, um, we've invited, uh, Tony to come on and, uh, show us exactly how it works. And let's, let's ask questions. Let's knowingly talk to the unknown. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So those are all my EVPs. Whoa, that was a lot. Thanks for hanging in there with us, guys. And um, as I said earlier, we are going to be doing a revisit of the Driscoll Hotel. Now, Laura, I have to say, when we first, Archie and I first did the Driscoll Hotel, look, I tried to get Mm -hmm. the Texas flag colors, sort of-ish, and there's no white in there, but Mm -hmm. I tried to. Um... Yeah, it actually, and I didn't know this, but um, it was dedicated to you. The first episode, our very first episode of the Driscoll Hotel was actually dedicated to yes. you because you were living in Austin at the time. Um, yes, it was. And so I, um, 
I didn't know if you were familiar, like if you'd ever been there while you were living in Austin. So I was really excited when you and I were like, hey, let's kind of like redo some of the earlier episodes. Um, and I wanted to, to um, the Driscoll to be a part of that because I didn't know. I know you have been there in the more mm-hmm. recent years, but I didn't know like if before then, if you had been there while you lived there. Um, so I'm excited about this one and um, it's a good, it's a good location. The stories are really cool. They're really unique. So uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, take it away. Laura is going to, without spoiling anything, um, feature in my part. So. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw you to the wolves. An anniversary. Gift Again. All right. Again. Thank you. Perfect. Welcome. All right. <laughs> Do my part. She's doing it all. I'm just going to sit back and watch. All right. So uh, first sources, uh, wikipedia.org, driscollhotel.com, knax.com. Okay. So the Driscoll, a Romanesque style building completed in 1886, is the oldest operating hotel in Austin, Texas. Oh, really? one of the best known hotels in Texas generally. All right, let's see if I get the right picture up. Yay, there it is. So uh, the Driscoll was conceived and built by Colonel Jesse Driscoll, a candle man who spent his fortune constructing the finest hotel south of St. Louis. (laughs) Uh, today, (laughs) Today, the Driscoll remains one of the premier hotels in Austin, featuring lavish bridal suites, two restaurants, and a grand ballroom. And also in uh, around this time of year, it's they decorate really cute. It's um, a really cool place to go have drinks. Um, if you I, you know, I couldn't help but um, uh, find like reviews of their restaurants and bars, and I was like, oh my god, it sounds like this place is so great. It's gorgeous. It's I can only imagine it at Christmas. Right, it's, it's a really iconic structure in Austin. Um, yeah. It's a really like. It's one of those places that come up in conversation regarding like, oh, if you want to go out for like a fancy like nightcap or you want, you know, and yeah. they have, I mean, like, look at it. things it, going on there. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful building. It is a beautiful um, building. Yeah. So um, the Driscoll has been operated by Hyatt Hotels uh, since 2013. Oh. Well, shit. So- <laughs> Hyatt. <laughs> wow. Damn. All right. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So the hotel was listed in the National Register of Historic Places on November 25th, 1969. That's oh, wow. Okay. That's... So it was like an old... Super old. An old shit. <laughs> so... The Driscoll is composed of two interconnected buildings, the original four-story Romanesque Revival building constructed in 1886 and a 13-story annex constructed in 1930. Uh, The hotel opened with 60 rooms, including 12-corner rooms with attached baths, a rare feature in hotels of the region at the time. Um, (laughs) At the center of the hotel was a four-story open rotunda capped by a domed skylight, which functioned as a flue to suck up the hot air and cool the building. Oh, that's um, the right. skylight, yeah, the skylight was removed when air conditioning was installed on the roof in 1950. I forgot about that feature. Yeah, I forgot that's about cool, that. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the building was designed for separate entrances for men and women. Mm. Two entrances, one on Sixth Street, um, and if you know anything about Austin, um, you know Sixth Street. Um, <laughs> it's a party street, and another facing the alleyway on the west side of the building were reserved for. Um, men and were flanked by a saloon billiard room cigar shop a newsstand and a barber shop featuring baths 
Oh my. So, wow, okay. Right. That sounds weird, but I guess back then that was perfectly normal. Yeah, it's kind of like a yeah. Yeah. Um so the women's entrance on Brazo Street allowed female guests to proceed directly to their rooms, thereby avoiding the cigarette smoke and rough talk of the cattlemen in the lobby. Right, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the second floor contained the main dining room and ballroom, separated separate parlors for men and women, a children's dining room, because they should be separate, and bridal suites. <laughs> Are those separate so other, too, or? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Other embellishments included an electric bell system, marble bureaus, steam heating, and gas lighting. So there's different doors that lead into what now are storage rooms, but there were hallways where the ladies of the night would come up to the gentleman club uh-huh. up into the mezzanine level. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it was a good time. So Jesse Driscoll, a successful cattle baron, had moved to Texas from Missouri in 1849. Uh, Flush with cash from his service to the Confederate Army, to which he supplied beef throughout the Civil War, uh, he was given the honorary title of colonel. He decided to to diversify by constructing a grand hotel in Austin. In 1884, uh, Driscoll purchased land at the corner of 6th and Bravos for $7,500 and announced his plan for the hotel. Damn. Right. The hotel had a grand opening on December 20th, 1886. Uh, The grand opening of the Driscoll is heralded by a special supplement in the Daily Statesman that proudly touts the Driscoll as one of the finest hotels in the whole country. The estimated cost um, at the time was $400,000. The equivalent of $92 million today. I was going to say, that's a lot of fucking money. (laughs) It's a lot of fucking money. Oh my God. So on January 1st, 1887, Governor Sol Ross held his inaugural ball in its ballroom, beginning a tr- tradition for every Texas governor since. Oh. Uh, in May, yeah, in May 18th, it's right down the street from the Capitol. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. In May 1887, less than a year after it opened, Driscoll was forced to close the hotel as he could no longer afford to operate the hotel following a harsh winter and drought that killed his cattle inventory. Whoops. Um, in addition... Yeah, S.E. Uh, <laughs> McElhenney, the hotel's general manager, and half of the staff were hired by the Beach Hotel in Galveston, which expedited the closure. So. I, no, never mind. I, there was so I his, basically like, his, all his staff got poached. <laughs> right. But the, the Beach Hotel, I feel like that was there was an we covered an orphanage in Galveston that ended up becoming a hotel. I, yeah, like I, don't, I know was, what you're talking about. Yeah. I have that same feeling, but I don't think it's the same one. But Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, at least it wasn't me. I was like, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm having a recovered no, 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 memory. No, I did no? the same thing. Okay. And I was like, oh, I should look. And I was like, I forgot. I've taught you well. sold the hotel in 1888 to his brother-in-law, Jim Doc Day. Doc. He's called Doc. Um, Jim Day. So he reopened the hotel in January 1888. On top of the hotel, there's a bust of Colonel Driscoll himself, as well as a bust of his son, Bud, and his other son, Toby. Uh, Toby's bust has a mustache. It was struck by lighting in 1903 and had to be rebuilt. Oh, shit. Okay. Which I just think is funny. Um, that there's just these little things up there. All right. So Austin Mac- Are you honestly George saying little- that you and I would not do that if we had our own hotel? <laughs> 
There'd be pictures of me everywhere. Everywhere. Just like the old oil paintings. Yes. Like I would just. With the beautiful light above it. Uh, yeah. Right. And every style. Very. <laughs> and through, Laura through the ages. Laura through the ages. <laughs> the best of Laura. <laughs> All right. Austin Magnet, uh, George Littlefield, responsible for other Austin landmarks, such as the Littlefield House, opened the Austin National Bank on the southeast corner of the building. The old bank vault still remains. Um, Littlefield later purchased the hotel for $106,000 in 1895 and vowed that it would never close again. Littlefield invested over 60000 in renovations, including ceiling frescoes, electric lighting, steam heating, and 28 additional laboratories. But he still sold the hotel at a loss of 25000 in 1903. Wow, damn. Right, so here's a crazy story. So $9 million worth of mirrors adorned one room. And the Driscoll. Yes. Okay, so you know about this. Room. I do. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna nine fucking million dollars. All right, so I'm gonna tell you the story. So in 1930, the hotel created the Maximilian Room, named after Emperor Maximilian of Mexico, and honoring his wife, Empress Car- Carlotta. Ferdinand Maximilian was a figurehead for the French government in Mexico and struggled to establish power in that country. So while his wife was back in Europe, Maximilian was killed by a firing squad in Mexico, as happens. <laughs> so he <laughs> we loved the guns back out out west. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So this was devastating news um, that Carlotta learned while pleading with the French court to offer more support to her husband. Uh, she never returned to the Americas, but later in life learned that there had been a belated wedding gift from Ferdinand to her that had been on its way to the palace when she left. And it was these eight mirrors, all obviously ornately detailed. They're diamond dusted on the back, uh-huh. which was kind of an old world way of setting mirrors. So the mirrors ended up at auction in San Antonio where they were um, purchased by the hotel owner's wife in 1930. She bought the mirrors for $2,500, and today they're worth more than $9 million. $2,500 at auction. I have a picture of one of them. Um, Hang on. All right. That's not it. That's not. That isn't it either. Mm -hmm. Where the hell is this mirror? (laughs) Um, I think she's lying. All right. Where the hell are you? Never mind. I'll let you look for it. I'll keep going. Okay, so keep in going. 1950, the hotel embarked on a renovation, which closed off the 6th Street entrance and removed the rotunda skylight to make way for air conditioning, which we talked about earlier. In 1952, the former Austin National Bank uh, was transformed into a television studio for KTBC, the very first television station in Central Texas. Um. Wow, all right. That's kind of interesting. I, that I don't think Archie covered last time. Because I listened to her episode hot. again. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so like they had a very important bank in it, then they had the first TV station in there. So in like when I say it's a really prominent thing in hotel, like not just for being a hotel. You're not exaggerating. Thing, yeah. Not, no. <laughs> so in 1969, the Driscoll closed its guest rooms in anticipation of a renovation a new tower containing a modern glass facade, which never materialized. Uh, most of its furnishings were sold, and an American Statement article declared, Driscoll Hotel's fate sealed. 
The hotel was saved from the wrecking ball at almost the last minute, however, when a nonprofit organization called the Driscoll Hotel Corporation raised $900,000. This is like the story of the Stanley Hotel. Yeah. Like it was saved. Well, a lot of these yeah. hotels. Yeah. These old hotels are very valuable real estate. And if they're not, you know. Yeah, for sure. Braniff International Hotels, uh, a division of Braniff Airways, I guess, uh, Dallas, Texas, bought the hotel in 1972 and began a $350,000 restoration of the grand lobby of the historic facility. So Braniff reopened the hotel to customers on January 15, 1973 to very strong bookings and conference business. So they threw an official grand reopening celebration on February 10th of 1973 over a thousand guests attended the gala event that included a parade of every Texas governor and or their descendants since 1886. All proceeds from the event went to the Austin Heritage Society, who was strategically instrumental in the resurrection of the Hotel Driscoll. Man. Wow. Texas loves their politicians. <laughs> Texas, loves it. Texas loves Texas. That's like... Texas does love Texas, yeah. Like, Texas loves everything that's about Texas. Like, if you were the governor of Texas, even if everybody hated your fucking guts, like, they still love you because you're Texan and you were representing Texas, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Texas loves Texas. Texas loves Texas. So, it does. In 1995, the Driscoll was purchased by Great American Life Insurance... (laughs) which is fucking weird. But they embarked on a $30 million renovation to restore the hotel to its original appearance, uh, which had been heavily modified over the years. So the hotel I think I have a picture of that. I'm not sure. Hang on. Let's see. There we go. Ah, uh, the beautiful. That's a, It's such a beautiful... Um, it's breathtakingly wow. beautiful. I can't yeah. imagine walking into that. It almost reminds me of the Hotel Cecil back in the day when it was, you know, not a... a Right. Serial so you have like all in. the marble floors and then the like marble pillars and then like like Tiffany light type overhead. Um, yes, chandeliers. It almost yeah. reminds me Very of grand. of Gringotts Bank. You know when they walk yeah, in and it's God. like the columns <laughs> and like it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I would have gone, but all right. I no? <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, kind of does. Like, you know, the yeah. goblins are on, like, up. I don't know. Yeah, you're feeling it. it. I get it. I mean, I, I am. That's where I, that's <laughs> where I go. <laughs> Green guts. Um, right. So after being closed for four years, that's a long time, um, mm. for the renovation work, uh, it was reopened in a millennium celebration on December 31st, 1999. Oh, wow. Okay. So in 2013, the Driscoll was purchased by Hyatt uh, for 85 mil. Um, and they embarked on an Nothing $8 million renovation. Of the Nothing hotel. to Hyatt. <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't even remember that they bought it. Right. Yeah. Changing their <laughs> in Hyatt's couch, 85 mil. <laughs> right. It got drunk one night. Things right. Happened. Um, Hyatt sold the hotel to Dallas based Woodbine Development in May 2022 for 125 million dollars. Okay, that is a new development since we covered this, because I think we covered this in 2020. Right. Yeah. So it, was, it has been so. So in addition to its beautiful architecture and rich history, the Dris- Driscoll continues to draw attention due to its host of tragedies and rumors of paranormal activity. We love a good uh, tragedy here at History of Honor. We sure do. 
So the hotel is said to be home to more than one ghost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I totally thought you were like, the hotel is said to be home to more than 20 ghosts. And you were like, to more than one ghost. And I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> I really, I really thought that, I right. thought that you would say more. Is that just, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Well, more than one. That's a lot. Can right. confirm. More than, more than one. More than one. All right. So, including seven-year-old Samantha, who died after falling down the grand staircase. Yeah. Um, so here's some noteworthy events that have occurred at the Driscoll Hotel. So in 1908, the Daughters of the Republic of Texas met at the Driscoll Hotel to discuss the fate of the Alamo and San Antonio. Really? At the... Yes, at the meeting, a divide between two factions of the group erupted over whether to demolish it or preserve the structure. Um, and it resulted in the governor being forced to intervene between the two <laughs> the two different <laughs> factions. Really? So I think and I think I talked about that when we, a little, like I touched on it too. Oh, when, I think you did touch on we, it, yeah. Alamo, yeah, that the two ladies, like the, everybody was pissed at. And, like, That's oh, right. You did. Yes. It. Yeah, you did. But, so this is where it started. <laughs> it's in the, Driscoll. the Driscoll. It all comes back. Listen, Texas should it's be its true. own country. Honestly. They think they are. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, for real. So um, October 12th, 1931, Louis Armstrong opened a three day performance at the Driscoll. Mm. In attendance was Charles Black, a freshman at the University of Texas at Austin, at the time who cited the performance as inspiration for his interest in race and civil rights. Um, in 1934, future President Lyndon Johnson met his future wife, Claudia Taylor, for their first date at the Driscoll Dining Room. He went on a whole day of a date with her and then actually proposed to her at the very end of the same date. That's how they did it back then. Uh, that's crazy. That's how they did. So, no, none of this four-year engagement bullshit. It's like, listen, I like you. You like me. You're pretty. I'm pretty. We'd have good kids. You want to get married now? All right. It right? was, real, it was yeah. a nice day. That's cool. It was a Let's nice do, day. Make it a thing. Let's do it. It was a nice day. Um, so it became his campaign headquarters during his congressional career, especially during his famous 1948 Senate race, and became a favorite place on return trips to Austin during his presidency. Um, I have a picture of that, too, but I didn't make an overlay. Oh, okay. He watched the results of the 1964 presidential election from its presidential suite and addressed supporters from its ballroom after his victory. Yeah. So President Clinton stayed in the four-room cattle baron suite when he visited Austin in 99. And on September 11, 2001, Jenna Bush, daughter of President George Bush, was relocated to the hotel by the Secret Service in the wake of the terror attacks that day. Really? Yeah, crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No. So that's an interesting tidbit. That is an um, interesting tidbit. It's interesting that they would have like gone come gone public with that information. Well, way later. Well, well, um, yeah, way later. But like now, you know, nobody can be relocated to the Driscoll ever again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Well, maybe they think that they're not going to put them there, so they put them there because it's like a fake out. Oh, hey. Are you with the CIA? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Um, (laughs) Can't say. Guys, don't tell anybody. Laura's with the CIA. (laughs) I I can't confirm or deny. Um, (laughs) So on March 17, 2018, actor Bill Murray, who I love, and cellist Jan Vogler recited the poem Dog by Lawrence Ferlinghetti from the front steps of the Driscoll Hotel to promote the film Isle of Dogs 
during the 2018 South by Southwest Festival. And I just love Bill Murray, so there you go. Yeah, he is pretty funny. I love him. Mm-hmm. Me too. All right, and that's all I have for these. Wow, good job. You added some new stuff, which is the reason we're doing this, guys. We have new research techniques, and, you know, some stuff has happened since we covered it, you know? It's fun. Yeah. It is good times. It is good times. Um, I don't know why I didn't, you know, my do my pictures better. Hang on. Hang on. You're out of practice. I'm out of practice. Hold on. Just sit tight for me real quick, guys. One second. Okay, I couldn't find the picture. Um, I mean, I could, but we didn't have time for me to... It's a whole thing. Basically, I have them. We'll put them on social media. But we're not going to show them in the show. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Um... So thanks to Laura's amazing lead-in, I'm going to tell you about the reportedly more than one ghost. There's more than one. There's more than one. Supposedly. Yes. Uh, Here at the Driscoll Hotel. My sources are austinghost.com, texasobserver.org, atxfoodnews.com, a really cool article by Kay Marley Dilworth. And then the pictures that we are using in today's episode, guys, are from Texas Highways, Austin Relocation Guide. I just realized the weirdness of that. Uh, ATX Today, Yelp, and the Texas State Historical Association. I believe that was uh, the one of LBJ in the room watching the returns, the black and white one that I was going to show. Yeah. So you guys know that I love a good, um, weird, stupid kind of intro to... An article, which then I'd like to do an intro to my part. So this is from (laughs) austinghosts.com. And they say, quote, so you want ghosts. You're yearning for phantoms, specters, wraiths, banshees, haunts, shades, spooks. Things that not only go bump in the night, but quite possibly do a conga line out your bedroom closet and go boo. Well, you're in the right place. Austin is basically spook central, which I didn't know, Laura. Apparently, Austin is one of the most haunted cities in the country. So Hmm. he goes on to say, it's the sort of town with such a grand ectoplasmic infestation that every day seems like Halloween. Ghost tours aren't just a way of making a living. They're basically obligatory and quite possibly enforced by mucky mucks in charge of Austin. (laughs) The Chamber of Commerce might as well give out EMF detectors to new residents and assign them each a turf. I was like, wow, all right. So talk about, I mean, talk about an intro. I loved it. I was like, I got to use it. So there is one spot, however, that does tend to consistently bring in all the traffic. uh, The one place ghost enthusiasts go crazy for. And it is a place that um, I guess on Austin's haunted face that every tour guide wants on their list of stops. Um, The one that is, you know, that every tour company, I guess, kind of fights over. Um, And that place is the Driscoll Hotel. That one ghost has got a lot of work it's doing to just make it so popular with this, with our community. It's, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so hotel staff are well versed on the stories and they will apparently, they're very happy to share their stories and their experiences. Um, they're so happy, in fact, that the hotel um, has a handout that it gives to guests that is filled with paranormal claims. Now, guests have reported that lights and ceiling fans come on and turn off spontaneously, lending to more reports of the paranormal um, as far as like, you know, yeah, it could be, you know, described as faulty electricity, but honestly, where's the fun in that potential explanation? Um, you know, I don't love that. Um, there have been several um, uh, middle of the night uh, requests to change rooms that the front desk has got. <laughs> so apparently it has become synonymous with hauntings and it's so full of ghosts, not just the one, uh, full of ghosts that even Spotify, did you know this Spotify has a devoted playlist to the subject? I did not. Yeah. I, I kid you not. I looked it up and sure enough, you can go on Spotify and just kind of search Driscoll, haunted or Driscoll ghosts or Driscoll hotel hauntings. And there's an Uh entire playlist dedicated to the ghosts of the Driscoll hotel. It's a, I, I, I've never seen a location that has one like this. It's, it's pretty crazy. So in our original episode, I actually quoted a man named Sam Yerthzi as saying, quote, if you're staying in the Driscoll with your lover, you just know you're having a threesome that night. There is always a rascally revenant in the room doing its voyeur bit. And I went back and I listened to the original episode and I remembered that. And I remember Archie and I cackled so hard at that. And That's- very intense statement it is a very very intense statement um so i actually want to take this moment to um have somebody who's actually stayed the night at the driscoll hotel and had a weird experience um tell us about their experience and laura my darling that would be you tell us about what happened when you stayed at the driscoll so i had a room at the driscoll um I thought it would be fun. I was actually, I had moved back from Austin already, but I was going to Texas. I had some stuff there still, so I went to go pick it up. Um, So while I was picking my father up a brisket to bring home. Oh, that's um, right. (laughs) So the whole, the U-Haul smelled of brisket like the entire way. The whole time. The whole time. I mean, worth it because it's the best. She was eating it too. Don't let her kid you. Right, like a road snack, just like a <laughs> handful of brisket as I as I drove. Um, <laughs> um, that's not even far fetched. Had I thought that he probably would not have been mad that had I opened it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's not the story. So, that's not the point of the that's story. Not the story. <laughs> okay, so stayed at the Driscoll, went to sign in, and um, and I forget the. Uh, the room number sorry it's been it's been a while but there's one room in particular that is known to be like the most haunted room in the hotel. 525 thank you so <laughs> i asked them when i was there i was like so you know what's the where's all the paranormal activity supposed to take place you know what's the most haunted rooms and um they said 525 i was like don't suppose it's open and they're like yeah we'll transfer you in there they're like you can totally have it and i was like really okay sold 
Let's do it. She texted me so, and she was like, you'll never believe what room I'm in. And I was I, so proud of her. Just sheer luck. Um, so, yes, got room 525. It's it's darling. It's an older hotel. So, of course, they're a little bit small. Um, but very cute. Very quaint. Very comfortable. No, no qualms. Um, I think we went out to dinner. We came back, you know, yeah. normal, whatever. Um, Checked on the U-Haul brisket. It's right. still there. Everything's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Um, well, and it's right in the, so it's right in downtown Austin. So yeah. I think we went out for a while or whatever, but um, yeah, came back, went to sleep at about two thirty in the morning ish. Um, got a very loud rap on the door, and then some giggling and running away. <laughs> so some some people were very interested in that room as well, but. Woke me up in the middle of the night, so here I am, like my bed clothes peeking out the right, angry, <laughs> out the hallway. like maybe I was alone. Now, <laughs> was this room like one of those like adjoining rooms, like that's connected to another room by a door? Could somebody have been? Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't like that kind of room. No, it was from the hallway. Like okay. somebody, you know, because the stories of five to sure. so somebody came to like knock on the door. Yeah. Um, personally. Um, I didn't have any experiences in that room, um, but I really felt that it was probably the creepiest down in the um, down in the bar area. Yeah, like once you go up the staircase, there's like a if I remember correctly, you go up this like half staircase where the grand staircase is, and then uh, there's like a bar area, and it's very like wooden. Oh, it's very okay. beautiful, but that's where I think is probably the creepiest place that I went into. So yeah, this so room right there. there? Oh, okay. So you go up these stairs, and there's the creepy portrait, and then um, you go around the, the old portrait of, I think, the, Driscoll, and then yeah. you go around the corner, and you go into, like, a bar lounge area. Yeah. This, like, like, this area to, was, off to the, yeah. That was um, probably the creepiest area. Well, and, you know, your story, like, your experience in 525, the most fun, like, I mean, it reminded me of when we first did when Archie and I did the very first episode about the Stanley hotel, we were like, I, I gave everybody a warning. I was like, listen, if you go and you stay there, fine, great. But if you stay in one of the most famously haunted rooms, you can expect people to fuck, try to fuck with you. Right. You and know? they're not all, like even trying to fuck with you. I think they just like there's all that natural curiosity. Like they want to knock on it, thinking that a ghost is going to come after them. Like they're somehow trying to invoke stuff out of you, dude. Out you of the room. That would have been room. hysterical if you had like roared like in the deepest voice you could, like to scare them back. You know, even though they rent, like I don't know. Yeah, um, just to fuck with them. Yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely creepy vibes in the place. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Well, and it's old. Um, but yeah, I really like. I said that downstairs area. Yeah, really kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. and weird. Um, I don't actually have anything for that particular part of the hotel. I will talk about um the cowboy who's Jesse Jesse Driscoll is known to haunt that room specifically so um one of the local tour guides in austin said that one of his favorite stories 
was one of the few sightings they'd actually had of Colonel Driscoll. Um, and it looks like one of his favorite rooms in the Driscoll um, overlooks 6th Street and Brazos. And there was a consultant in town, I guess, who had um, woken up one night to see a gentleman standing in his room looking out the window about 2.15, 2.30 in the morning. Um, and puffing on a cigar. And so the guy, the consultant sat up in bed and he was like, hey, fellow, what are you doing in my room? And um, the guy looked at him and gave him this look like your room. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but he didn't say anything. So the guy, the guest leaned over and snapped on the light by the bed. And when the light came on, there was nobody standing by the window. But the curtains were still swaying. And there was a cloud of cigar smoke in the air. And the window was closed. So why were this curtain swing? I was like, ooh. I'm not a fan of cigar smoke, so I don't think I would love that. But um, now, the Driscoll has been smoke a smoke-free hotel for more than a decade. Um, probably two decades now. But that hasn't deterred uh, pockets of cigar smoke from being detected by guests. Um, and a lot of them blame the founder, Jesse Driscoll, who was known for frequently, um, smoking cigars everywhere within the hotel. Um, so there was one night where this cigar wielding cowboy, uh, appeared before a number of female musicians. Um, it's... They're kind of famous stories if you follow these musicians, their current musicians. So we've got a story from Annie Lennox, and we've got one from Jeanette Napolitano from Concrete Blonde, and I love both of them. Um, so uh, we'll get to them in just a minute. But uh, <laughs> Jesse Driscoll has also been known to touch women on the arm or the back, proving himself um, more kind of a, of a historical, like, romantic than like a creepy just guy staring watching you sleep just kind of like gently guiding women down the stairs with the, his hand on the small of their back which is a very distinct feeling you know when somebody has their hand on the small of your it's a very it's a very different feeling than just like i don't know holding your hand i don't know it's kind of to me it feels more intimate i guess the small of your back but um, one of the article or the authors that, of the articles that I read said that they had experienced odd phenomena of smelling cigar smoke uh, near the giant portrait of Jesse Driscoll, which is the one that I just showed when Laura was talking about that creepy, that creepy bar area. So this one, this area at the top of the stairs here is a very common location that people smell the overwhelming scent of cigar smoke. Um, it is one of the most often reported paranormal events for the hotel in this area. So on one occasion, a security guard was actually working overtime when he caught the strong scent of a cigar. And I guess he leaned over this little balcony here to see if he could catch the culprit. And he heard a male voice behind him say, do you have a match? When he turned around, um, he found that he was completely alone. Um, so the story goes that the security guard was so disturbed by the experience that he quit. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you know what? I have, I've quit jobs for 
more feeble excuses. Maybe I should have gone the ghost route. Um, <laughs> so, now, um, <laughs> Janet Napolitano of Concrete Blonde, she wrote the song Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man after a night of she stayed in 525 and she had to endure his ghostly shenanigans. Things like just trying to keep her awake at night, lights and, and stuff like that turning on. And it was just something that just stuck with her and was so... That is so cool. I love that song. I didn't know that. I you didn't Blonde. know that? I love Concrete Blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wrote Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man about him, her experience at the Driscoll Hotel in the very room you stayed in. Oh. Right? Yay. Listen. Uh, also, who stayed there? Annie Lennox. Did you know this story? No, I didn't. You know didn't? Listen, mm-hmm. you might have appreciated it more if you had known these stories. I so, might have. Now I want to go back. You're like, now we're going to go back. <laughs> uh, Angela, pack your bags. We're heading to Texas. <laughs> Famous singer songwriter Annie Lennox uh, of the Eurythmics, for those of you who are not cool enough to be born old. in yeah. the 70s. Shut up. Why'd you have to say old? Um, she had an experience where. Um, he helped her choose what outfit to wear one night. So she was performing in Austin and she was getting ready to go to the venue. She had laid out two dresses on her bed thinking she would decide which one to wear um, to, for the concert when she got out of the shower. Mm-hmm. And um, when she re-entered the room after her shower, she found that one had been put away. So the one that was left out, she wore to the concert. So Jesse Driscoll chose what outfit uh, Annie Lennox was going to perform in that night. That's awesome. Right? I was like, oh, wow. All right. That's kind of interesting. Now, there, yeah, yeah <laughs> there is another um, dark side to the room. Uh, and these are the brides. Have you heard the story of the brides? Yeah, you came across it. So it's rumored to be the most haunted room in the entire hotel. Um, it's kind of a, a, a known to be a suite uh, where tragedy keeps repeating itself in that um, two women who were... Um, it's a very beautiful hotel. So I would imagine that a lot of weddings and stuff happen, happen there. And two of the women who were um, supposed to get married at the hotel um, died in that room. And depending on the story that you look at, it was either they were 20 years apart or 100 years apart. So take the history of this story with a grain of salt. But the, um, the first bride, the only thing that is confirmed is that she did kill herself in room 525 after her fiance called off their wedding. Um, a number of guests to this day have reported um, witnessing her, uh, a woman rather, dressed in a Victorian wedding dress, walking sadly through the halls of the hotel. The second bride is actually the more famous one, um, in part because um, she is a rare uh, ghost that died in the 1990s. So... She still fits the trope of a young, beautiful woman who met a terrible end. Apparently, she was a Houston socialite, and uh, she, um, depending on the story, again, that you read about her, 
she was set to get married and her fiance broke it off a couple days before the wedding. Um, the one story that I kept seeing over and over again was they were getting married at the Driscoll. And so she was already checked into the hotel. Um, in her grief and anger, she took his credit card and she went on a little shopping spree. <laughs> and um, she went down um, after she came back carrying bags from, you know, Dior and like all of like these super expensive places that um, you and I couldn't afford to even breathe the air in those stores. Uh, <laughs> she came back loaded down with bags from all of these amazing stores and um, in one of them was a pistol. She stopped and she had a drink at the bar, went up to her room, laden with bags, and went into 525 and shut the door. While sitting in the bathtub, she uh, put the gun in one hand and a pillow in the other and shot herself. Um, the housekeeping found her, I believe, a day or two later. Um since then, Driscoll guests have claimed to see her carrying packages or a pistol down the hall before she vanishes into room 525 without ever opening the door. So for a short period of time, they had actually were doing renovations. I think it was when Hyatt had bought the hotel and instead of closing mm-hmm. the entire thing or one of the other hotels before closing it, down, they renovated it in sections. So one of the sections of the hotel was closed off and the rest was open, which is typically how how hotels do renovations, at least the ones I've worked at. Um, And so for a period of time, um, this room was part of the section of hotel that was closed off. Um, It was opened again during the renovation, or closed again um, during the renovation in 1998. And since then, strange occurrences have been reported. We talk a lot on this show about how construction work and things like that can kick up paranormal activity. Um, So this isn't really all that surprising. Um, Some of the reported phenomena include ghostly apparitions, unexplained leaks, weird um, physical and emotional sensations, distant voices, and unexplained noises. Well, during this time when they were renovating the room, um, these two women had checked into the Driscoll Hotel and they wanted to stay in that section. I think it was the south area of the building. They wanted to stay in that section of the building. They'd been there before and they really liked it. And the front desk agent told them that, sorry, that's under construction and we, all of those rooms are out of order. So they were like, okay, fine. So he checked them into their room. They go out, they see Austin, they go to lunch, whatever. And they are in the lobby and um, this woman carrying a lot of packages, bags from shopping, mm-hmm. gets on the elevator with them. And they both get off on the fifth floor or they all three get off on the fifth floor and i don't know exactly how the elevators work look in this hotel but they went one way and this woman with the packages went the other way so they went one way and this girl goes the other way toward the side that the front desk agent told the women was closed off to guests and they mm-hmm. watched her walk down the hall and to the door and go in the room and they were mad um, because 
They were told that that was blocked off. They had requested a room in that section of the hotel and they were pissed. So they went back down to the lobby to chew out the front desk agent. I hate guests like these. Um, And they were like, hey, I thought you said that that part of the hotel is blocked off. And he was like, yeah, it is. It's under construction. We're renovating. We're refurbishing those Mm -hmm. rooms. And we just saw a woman just walk in. He's like, it's not possible. And they were like, yeah, it is. We just saw her. They raised such a stink that like he had to go up there with them. And he was like, I'll show you. There's no one in this room. These are all out of order rooms. Um, and they were like, no, we watched her walk into this room. And so he opens the door and sure enough, plastic sheeting all over the room, wallpaper torn off the walls. Like it was in the Mm -hmm. middle of being repainted, no carpeting. And they were like, this doesn't make any sense. We saw her walk in here. And when they described her, he just would later go on, I think to say to his boss or whatever. And they were, he, the boss was like, yeah, we get that a lot with that room. They were adamant. These bitches were like, listen, you lied. Um, so, yeah, she's still, she's still, um, you know, shopping. And, and I, I think that would be a terrible loop to get stuck in. I mean, I'm sure the shopping oh, would be fun for her, like half a minute. But, but not um, if you're all pissed off the whole time. Not if you're sad. pissed off and brokenhearted and sad. It's yeah. Like vengeful. Yeah. It's yeah, for sure. Um, also, I've never dated anybody that had any kind of credit card limit where I could shop at Dior. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> like one thing, maybe. <laughs> not even that. Not even that. I remember when we were in Paris and we were walking down. Um, how do you say it? I'm going to fuck it up. The Champs-Élysées. Is that uh-huh. close? And Mackenzie was like, yeah. And Louis Vuitton was there and Dior. And Mackenzie's like, Carrie, can we please go in Louis Vuitton? I'm like, honey, we cannot even afford the air in that <laughs> store. So we'll just stand here from across the street and take a picture of it. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, no. Never dated anybody that could afford any of that. Um, so the next ghost uh, is the child. Now... Guests at the Driscoll, they always report, or they frequently report, not always, a young female uh, poltergeist darting along the grand staircase. And you did talk about her in your part with a senator's daughter named Samantha Houston. It began in 1887. He, the Driscoll was hosting a special function. Uh, the senator uh, handed his daughter a ball to keep her, you know, occupied and busy while he was, you know, shaking hands and whatever. She tried to grab it, but um, it bounced down the stairs and she fell down the stairs after it. Some stories say she tripped over her dress. Others say she wasn't paying attention. Either way, um, she apparently died from a broken neck at the base of the stairs. So her her spirit is seen throughout the hotel. I know it's awful. Um, She's most often spotted near a fifth floor portrait of a young girl holding flowers. Now the young girl, yeah, the young girl um, goes by the name of Samantha, the little girl ghost, goes by the name of Samantha, leading a lot of paranormal investigators to believe she's the hotel's poltergeist. Um, this particular spirit is friendly and is known to play with children that are like, you know, when your parents are checking in, you're kind of busy exploring the hotel or whatever. Um, she's also seen playing with other children or she, other children say they play with her in the rooms or the hallways of the hotel. When parents ask their child who they're playing with, the response is always the same, Samantha. So 
here's the thing about this painting. Um, it, it's a folk story that is that surrounds this painting. And you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's found on the fifth floor of the hotel. It is um, unnamed, but it is based on a painting by Charles Garland called Love Letter. And it's an unnerving piece brought to life by Richard King. So this painting depicts a little girl holding a bouquet of flowers. I showed it erroneously a minute ago. Hang on. Here we go. Holding a bouquet of flowers in one hand and a letter in the other. Now, ghost hunters claim that the painting depicts the four-year-old daughter of the U.S. Senator Temple Lee Houston, the little girl, Samantha, who died in the horrible accident at the hotel. Uh, The painting is said to be haunted, and people who stroll by it constantly feel the presence of something sinister, um, kind of following along behind them until they actually exit the building. So many guests have claimed that they feel... Um, dizzy or ill after looking at the painting for a long period of time they also feel like the eyes follow them wherever they go so what did you get any sort of weird anything from this painting no it's kind of creepy like a lot of old paintings are yeah just in style they're kind of off like as you see you can't really see your feet and there's like an ominous background on it yeah it is it's just and she's very like pale i don't know you know what i mean right yeah like Like, why are the curtains parted what's that dark area yeah you're right yeah so there's like yeah some pieces about it that are that can be off putting sense of yeah like eat unease you know but yeah um, but a lot of older paintings are creepy i don't like i don't know like like dolls (laughs) she looks like a doll like it's you know it's a thousand a thousand percent (laughs) i don't love it um okay good i wanted to ask you about that as well so it does need to be mentioned that after examining the painting when it was painted um, a number of people are like, this is not this Samantha Houston. Um, it's been determined that it is not her, the senator's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people are feeling uneasy about it, it could be, um, you know, power of suggestion, just in, like you said, implied unease, just because it's just sort of, why would a child be painted with such a dark what's with the open curtain it just it Mm -hmm. is it's unsettling um so it's either that or someone or something else is screwing with people when they look at it uh making them dizzy and feel ill and stuff like that so that's a since our last episode it has been yeah debunked this one Mm. the painting has been debunked yeah So, like you mentioned, Laura, um, perhaps the most famous uh, duo at the hotel was um, Lady Bird and uh, LBJ. Uh, They -hmm. had their first first hookup date in 1934. (laughs) And uh, for years, they actually um, went back to the Driscoll to, you know, on the anniversary of their first date and to, you know, special moments within their relationship 
And then it became his favorite place when he visited Austin. And like you said, he watched the results of the 1964 presidential election. Insert the picture here that I forgot to do an overlay for. Uh, <laughs> Um, after he, you know, after they won, he addressed his supporters in the ballroom and moved his um, tail, shook his tail feather uh, in, in, in victory dance to the cheers of his uh, party. So to this day, people recount tales of stumbling into the bar or the ballroom, the barroom. That's where I need to go. Uh, the ballroom uh, catching the reflection of the late president and his wife. Um, on the mirrors or out of the corners of their eyes. Now, speaking of those mirrors you were talking about, um, as you mentioned, in 1930, the hotel created the Maximilian Room, named after Emperor Maximilian of Mexico, honoring his wife, Empress Carlotta. Now, as you mentioned, um, he had ordered a wedding gift for her in the form of, was it eight mirrors, I think? Something, yeah, eight or Yeah, several. they were... Yeah, super, obviously very ornate in gold, the diamond dust. It was kind of like an old... Diamond dust was kind of an old world way of setting mirrors back then. So he ended up getting murdered. She was heartbroken for the rest of her life. Found out later on that he had commissioned this extravagant um, gift for her. So like you said, the um, owner's wife or the owner um, bought the mirrors for $2,500. Today, they're worth $9 million and they adorn the walls of the Maximilian Ballroom to this day. So it is reported a number of times that you can actually see the spirit of Empress Carlotta in the mirrors. So there was a photographer that was doing a photo shoot for Modern Bride magazine at the Driscoll Hotel. And he went in early, obviously, to to set up, to kind of take a look. They were doing it in the Maximilian Ballroom. So he was in there just kind of like scouting different ways to like shoot the brides for this issue of Modern Bride magazine. The the way the light was coming in, like what was the best place for him to, to do this photo shoot? When he was putting his um, camera equipment and everything together, he looked up and in the reflection of one of the mirrors was one of the models standing there wearing a bridal gown. And he looked at her and he was kind of confused because the gown that she was wearing was very, very old. It was very vintage, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, I'm not sure where you got that gown, but this we're doing modern brides in this photo shoot. And she just smiled at him. And so he turned around to address her directly and she wasn't there. And I was like, that's creepy. The other thing about these mirrors is that they are on opposite walls of each other. And they're not like staggered with each other. They're like one mirror is here on the wall. One mirror is here on the wall. So when you look, it's an infinite image of you yes it's that infinity thing but if you look in the mirror at your infinite reflection in the mirror the bride of this empress carlotta will be in one of those images standing next to you that's cool right i'm like like i yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, so she is seen in those mirrors quite often. He's not. I've never 
I haven't read anything about him being in any of them, but she is. And that's probably because she was so brokenhearted when he died. Um, it wasn't right. arranged marriage. It was like, you know, a marriage of, you know, convenience or whatever for their families. But she really did seem to love him. And so, yeah, um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting room. Did you get to see it when you were there? No, no, I did not see that. You were just there for a night, weren't you? Mm-hmm. It's not like you were there for. Okay. Um, yeah. The next one. I is... think that's on the other side. I don't even know if it was open, to be honest. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the next one is the ghost of Peter Lawless. So, um, he's a full-bodied apparition that people have seen. And I guess in the early 20th century, he worked as a ticket agent for the Great Northern Railroad. And when his wife died, he decided to move into the Driscoll. Uh, he set up shop on the fifth floor, which apparently everybody loves. The fifth. I'm not sure why that's the best floor, but he lived there for 31 years. And wow. yeah, you know, my mom used to work at the Ramada Valley Ho back in... Um, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, and there was a guy that lived there. He lived there. His name was, um, shit, I don't remember his name. But yeah, he lived there. He just paid monthly rent. He lived in a big room off of, you know, off the pool area. He was such a nice, nice man, and nobody ever thought anything of it. I thought it was so weird that people lived in a hotel, but I suppose it's no different if you run an apartment. Like, I mean, Dylan McKay did it. I don't know why. I mean, weird. right. <laughs> That's very true. That's true. Um, uh, the Driscoll and the, the Ramada Valley Ho are vastly more expensive hotels than I could afford to live in. But sure. Um, so he, he um, paranormal enthusiasts claim that he never left either. Jack Bishop. That was his name. Sorry. I knew that was going to come to me. Um, lovely man. Uh, always bought me candy bars. Anyway. Uh, uh, he was a nice guy. What? He was just a nice guy. I I realized how that sounded in my head, and I'm like, that sounded bad. He wasn't like that at all. Um, visitors often witness this Peter Lawless exiting the elevator while um, looking at his watch, glancing at the time. Um, and he will nod to the, the staff at the front desk, and then his apparition disappears from sight. So... Employees even claim to see his spirit while they're they're um, cleaning the guest room, cleaning his room. Uh, they report tingling sensations before looking up to find an older gentleman watching them. You know, you kind of get that feeling like mm-hmm. someone's watching him. Watch. Yeah. They say he has black hair and he wears dark pants and a white shirt and a pocket watch. Mm-hmm. That's very specific. Like, very specific. Um, and then they witness this guy disappear before their very eyes. So um, other people claim to watch him leave the Driscoll, like walk out of the main doors and right before stepping in front of a bus. Disappear. And then he just disappears. That's crazy. Isn't that awful? That's kind of, that's horrific. I think that sounds kind of fun though. (laughs) Just to fuck with people and just be like, oops, nope, just kidding. So as a ghost, not like actually watching someone step in front of a no, butt. No, no, no. Yeah, Clar- yeah, yeah, As a ghost. Let's like, clarify. Just, to, yeah. just Clar- to get the... Clarify that. Just yeah. to kind of like get their goat, you know. Like, I'm telling you. Yeah, just to f- screw with people. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So, um, yes, these are all of the ghosts that um, are claimed to be at the more the, than one. Yeah, the more than one. The home of the more than one ghost. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the show notes. Um, so, yeah, I. Um, that's it. That's what I've got for the Driscoll Hotel. I think it's. I love these old hotels. I really love. And I, I really can appreciate the, the, like, you know, the Hyatt has really, you know, these companies that come in and try to preserve it as much as, as to what it used to look like or was originally mm-hmm. looked like as much as they can. I really do appreciate that. Uh, was that your dog or your child? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it could have been either. <laughs> It might be both. I don't know what's happening. Watch you text me and be like, it was actually Angelique. Okay, never. All right, great. Everybody's got a high-pitched scream in that house. Um, anyway, so I really do appreciate when um, people come in and they take over these these old, amazing buildings and they, they keep them looking the way that they always had. And, and um, I think that's a lot of fun and I think that's important um, uh, and part of the the, you know the intrigue that people want to keep going to these hotels that keeps them open. So that's what we have for the Driscoll. Have you guys ever been there? And if you have, have you ever had a paranormal experience? Uh, message us on Facebook, Instagram, um, or email us at hoahpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I don't really, I don't have anything else. I don't have any big grand ending. I did a big grand opening. I will get the best of Laura ready for next week's show. And um, I'm up with my Monday story. That's all I have. Do you want to let everybody know where they can find us? Sure. I'd love to. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at HOH Podcast. And... Also on the TikTok at H-O-A-H Gary and at H-O-A-H co-host Laura. Thanks for watching, guys. Thank you so much for hanging in there with us. Welcome back. We will be um, back next week. We've only got, Laura, I don't mean to stress you out, but uh, after today, there's like three weeks till Christmas. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, we have a really cool Christmas uh, episode that we're going to bring you I'm excited for that one I'm um, on do <laughs> cool tell me about it later I will tell you about it later like Laura finds out about like decisions I make for the podcast like on fucking Facebook on the uh, podcast yeah on the <laughs> podcast did you see speaking of did you see where my mom that conversations with mom that I posted yesterday I don't think so yeah, we had to like, I had to get my house pressure washed because the HOA sent me a violation. So I had to pay $160 to have my fucking siding pressure washed. And I'm like, my mom and I were talking about it. And and I was like, yeah, now I'm going to email the HOA and tell them to take me off their ugly list. And she was like, yeah, and then the HOAH can suck it. And I went, yeah, I, wait. I'm like, where? I said, the podcast is H-O-A-H. And she started laughing and she was like, oh, sorry, I'm at H-O-A. And I was like, we started laughing and I was like, yeah, H-O-A-H can suck it too. I'll let Laura know. (laughs) (laughs) So I I tagged you in and I was like, this is how I let Laura know (laughs) on social media. (laughs) 
Anyway. Yeah, we'll give my love to Nancy. All right. I sure will. <laughs> I sure will. She told H-O-A-H to suck it. This is why she's no longer the live studio audience. Anyway, guys, we hope that you have a wonderful holiday season. We will be back next week. And um, we got a lot of location suggestions, Laura. So hopefully you and I can get together maybe next weekend and just kind of have a little chitty chat about... Lots of stuff going on for the podcast in 2024 that I think we should be prepared for before 2024 gets here. Good call. All right. All right. Thanks. I love you. I miss you. And bye, guys. We miss you, too. And we love you. Love ya. Bye-bye.